Welcome to Above the Horizontal, the Rugby League podcast. My name is Bo Nicholson and I'm your host. I'm joined as always by Kieran Gibson and not on this occasion by Miles Stedman who has a bad case of a virus, not the coronavirus, but something that's doing <laughs> something weird to his modem. So uh, we wish you Godspeed in your <laughs> modem's recovery. Miles, uh, I know you'll be listening once you have internet. Uh, I also would like to give a shout out to some of our fans from Perth, Western Australia. Hello to you. Um, best of luck with getting a team out at Perth. Uh, I'm sure as rugby league fans in Perth, you would enjoy that. Um, but I don't like your chances. It seems like the second Brisbane team is a shoe in uh, But I would love to see it personally. Uh, what I don't want to discuss too much is the bold <laughs> predictions, Kieran, because you have, again, absolutely destroyed us. I suggested that only one team would win by 13 points or more, and that was shattered by Friday night uh where two teams had already done it by then so i i, I stopped keeping score at that point but it, it wasn't pretty and miles uh also got shattered by friday night because he said that the broncos would lose by 10 points or less to the roosters um they did put in a better performance than earlier in the season when they got beaten by 59 but i think they were beaten by 46 on this occasion so miles and i both struck out pretty badly but kieran yours was that roger tuavasa's shake would outpoint Ponga with more running meters, more tackle breaks, and at least the same number of tries in an all-around better game than Ponga. Kieran, how do you keep doing this? <laughs> oh, I'm not too sure. I mean, to be honest, um, I feel like this one was coming. Um, RTS, for me, watching him closely, um, he just seemed to be... Uh, reigniting that spark that he had at the Roosters. Uh, and whilst I've been have been really impressed with Ponga the last month, he's more um, played that sort of 5-8 role uh, where he, he's been coming up with a lot of try assists. So I thought sneaking in that um, same number of tries would be a, a safe bet. And then running meters, yeah, to RTS just does that every week. So it's a bold prediction, but I, I do kind of feel like it was a bit of a safe one. Um, I guess if you ask me how I keep doing it, I, I go for ones that are still kind of likely to happen but uh there's i guess they are also bold you sneaky sneaky devil um i would like (laughs) i would like to pick that wonderful analytical brain that you have as we head into the big question uh with news this week that benji marshall has been told by the west tigers that he will not be required in the year 2021 the big question is was cutting benji the right call for the tigers and I guess as a, as a secondary question, Kieran, um, as we discuss this, will be what is the best thing for Benji to do now? So first of all, um, do you think cutting Benji Marshall was the right call? Uh, it is hard because when the Cowboys were, were down on form in, in 2018 and JT, um, he was looking like he, he may have gone a year too long. Um, yes, there was no way I wanted him gone early. Uh, that's just not a, a situation that uh, I think any Cowboys fan would, would say they, they wanted. Um, I do think if he'd played another season after that into 2019, it, it would have been an impossible situation. Uh, how do you drop arguably the, the goat of the sport? Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, Marshall is, is, when you compare him to JT, he's still... 
I mean, he's he's the same age, I think, as JT when when JT retired. But Marshall is still in wonderful form. Um, yes, he doesn't have that incisive running game that used to be there on a consistent basis. But this season, he's forced eight dropouts. Uh, he has twelve try assists, eleven line break assists. Um, I, I think it was kind of premature. The, the the at least maybe the discussion. I don't know how long discussions have been going on at the Tigers um, with letting Marshall go, but. You see the quality he brings, the the try assist he, he uh, notched up for Nofaluma on the weekend. There's not a lot of halves out there, I feel, that, that can do that that well. Like, he put that on a tee. It was uh, drink water to Hamiso a few weeks earlier, the, the exact same kind of play. And um, drink water's got a big future ahead of himself. So, um, And that play kind of um, from drink water signaled that for me. So Marshall, to do the same sort of similar thing, you sort of think... I think, at least personally, that's that's a sign that he can still really cut it at the at the top level. Um, yeah, I think things could have been handled better, and offering him offering him a reduced contract to stay for for one last year, I, I think it could have been an option, even if he's not the the long term halves option, even if he's not the the first halves option for next year. He could have come in for injury, and he could have uh, sort of coached the uh, the halves and mentored them. Um, so, uh, does he have a uh, to to uh, answer the other part of the question? Does he have a future elsewhere? Um, honestly, I think no. Uh, I I don't see it. Maybe the Warriors. Um, they've got a, a although Nick Arima is not too young anymore. Um, I I think he would he would be a, a good mentor for Chanel to be to Harris and Cody Nick Arima. But uh, uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I don't I don't think I think he will have to retire. Yeah, it's. It is a tough one. I, I do agree with you. I I would have been very curious to hear Miles' take on this. I know that he mentioned that he also thought it wasn't the right call for the Tigers, um, and I would like to have heard his thoughts on that. I am reminded of, actually, Australian Test cricket uh, in the late 90s. We had uh, arguably one of Australia's greatest ever wicketkeepers in Ian Healy. And he played over 100 test matches. He was mid-30s by this point. He averaged about 27 with the bat in, in test cricket. In one-day cricket, he had his position taken by Adam Gilchrist. Uh, so he was sort of hanging on for the test cricket, uh, Healy. And, uh, you know, he, he scored 169 against the West, a very good West Indies team only a couple of seasons before his retirement. So it wasn't like he was doing terribly but it was just that they had Gilchrist knocking on the door and they, Australian cricket, did the right thing. They spoke to Healy and said, mate, yeah, we're going to drop you, so mm. here's your option. And he obviously took the option to retire, leading the way for Gilchrist to be an instant success and one of Australia's greatest ever players. I don't see that being the case at the Tigers for a couple of reasons. One is there's no Adam Gilchrist knocking Ben yeah. Marshall out of position, right? Like, who have they got? They've got Billy Walters, uh, <laughs> yeah. who's currently injured, but I don't think he's a world beater. They've got Josh Reynolds on the books. Again, not a world beater. Luke Brooks has been in and out of first grade, so they obviously don't have a lot of faith in his ability. Who is the who is the person that's going to take Benji Marshall out of his position? Who is the better option? Now, we've got to keep in mind that, like Ian Healy, Benji Marshall is a great 
He is he's probably he's arguably New Zealand's greatest ever player. Um, certainly one of the most popular that New Zealand's ever had. And he's a club legend for the West Tigers after being quite instrumental in their premiership winning year in 2005. So is it the right call. Well, what happened in the in the background? Did the Tigers say, "Mate, we're, we're going to drop you next season. Your call." And Benji said, "Nah, screw you. You don't decide when I finish." In which case, I wonder if that's the right call for Benji. Um, is because it would have been more fitting, I think, to finish with the Tigers. It just seems right, like like Robbie Farah did, right? Like it just seems it feels yeah. right. Um, uh, does he go to the Warriors? That, that could be an interesting fit, but I think it'd be a retrograde step for the Warriors. Um, does it? Does he go to Manly? I've, I've heard rumours about Manly um, and partner Daily Cherry Evans there. Uh, that, that could plug a hole, but Cade Cuss is in the worst football. Um, and Dylan Walker is in that spot usually. He played quite well there. So yeah. I, I'm not sure he's a great option for anywhere else. Um do I think it's the right call for the Tigers? I think it's the call that had to be made at some point um, because you can't just cling on to it forever. Like, what is Benji Marshall waiting around for? Is he waiting around until there is someone genuinely better than him to knock him out of, of his perch? Or is he waiting around to get the Tigers back into finals football? Um, if he's late, is he waiting for the either the former or the latter? He could be waiting for five years. <laughs> Um, and, and all of a sudden he's in his late thirties or early forties and he's not as fast as he was. He's not throwing precise passes. He will drop off a cliff athletically. Um, the time has to come at some point. The Tigers have made the decision. I think it's a strong call. Um, I I don't know what's happened in the background there, but, uh, it will be, it will be very interesting to see how that plays out. Watch this space is what I would say to our listeners, including the one in Perth, Western Australia, because <laughs> it's, uh, it is certainly, um, certainly very interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks with Cameron Smith, what he decides to do, but also with Benji Marshall, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Let's head into the above the horizontal awards now, Kieran. And we have had, Miles's award sent through. Um, he doesn't have any internet at the moment, so I believe he sent it via paper plane all the way from Sydney um, to Brisbane. So very good effort, Miles, in breaking a world record for paper plane throwing. Um, but I'll read out your awards uh, with le- less articulation than Miles would have. So keep bear with me, those in the audience. Let's go to best match. Uh, I'm going to start off. I, I thought the best match was the Raiders versus the Bulldogs. And the really only, only reason was just because I'm loving how the doggies are sticking it to all these far better sides than them. And they're really putting in. And, and uh, like, yes, they, they can't close these matches out. And that's just a matter of experience and skill compared to teams like the Raiders. But gosh, I'm loving their attitude. Kieran, what was your best match of the round? I had the the Dragons versus the Titans. Um, although it was a, a largely frustrating game with squandered chances, there was also brilliant covering defense and a, a late Titans surge with some excellent attack to steal it at the death. Miles also went with that game. He said that he was uh, quite surprised because he tipped the Dragons. Uh, I think I was the only one that tipped the Titans, by the way. I just thought I'd throw that one in there because I <laughs> never get a, a win with the tips. Um and he took the Dragons, but the Titans proved him wrong and showed why they may be ready to take a big step next year. So that is from Miles. The best moment of the round, 
uh, for me was seeing Jamal Fogarty score his first NRL try, which was a match winner in that aforementioned match between the Titans and the Dragons. Kieran, what was your best moment of the round? Uh, I had the, the raw speed of uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, Josh Adokar, and Justin Olam combining for a scintillating try down their left edge against the Sea Eagles. And uh, when I think of tries of the season so far, I think, think of Hamiso terrorizing the Panthers and Rabbitohs, or RCG against the Tigers, or the podcast's favorite son, Corey Thompson, streaking away against the Sharks. <laughs> All those tries also included powerful fens, agility, and beautiful stepping. However, without that sheer speed, they would not have been possible. The storm and their flowing raid down the left was rugby league at its most beautiful, and I absolutely loved it. I will be very curious to see where Corey Thompson ends up in your list of the top five NFL <laughs> wingers, uh, which we will be revealing later in this episode. So please stick around for that. Uh, Miles' best moment was actually like yours, uh, Justin Olam's two-try performance. And Miles says he's previously called the Storm Center out as not up to the club's lofty standards. And while he still has a while to go on defense, he pounded a weak Sea Eagles defensive edge on the weekend, which will hopefully give him the confidence to put together a strong end of the season. Now, it's time for the worst moment of the round. My worst moment was knowing we've seen the last of Joel Thompson in the NRL. And I just want to say to him, I know he's a big fan of the show. Uh, well done <laughs> on a good career to you, uh, Joel Thompson. Kieran, what is your worst moment of the round? Uh, Darius Boyd, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. No, I've, <laughs> I've gone another moment. I've gone another moment this week. Despite another defensive clanger from the Broncos, number one, I have the, the worst moment was the Tigers inability to push to save their season they were not tackled inside the panthers 20 meter zone after the 16th minute and at the start of any season there is always the question of what do i have to look forward to from my team this season unfortunately for the tigers it is once more not a whole lot uh miles's worst moment is also uh from the tigers but much like our big question his worst moment is benji marshall being shown the door at the Tigers. He thought it may be a decent decision by the club. It's always a shame, a shame to see a legend go out this way. Uh, he thinks all parties would have preferred Marshall's Tigers career come to a natural end rather than a forced end, and I, I do agree wholeheartedly with him on that. Time for the MVP award for the week. James Tedesco, next question. Uh, Kieran, <laughs> who is your MVP? Um, I've, I had AJ Brimson, who who has reinvigorated the Titans' attack since returning in, and finished this game with 178 running meters, two line breaks, a try assist, four tackle breaks, an offload, nine tackles for one miss, and a force dropout, showing just how diverse his skill set is and how valuable it is to a team previously struggling for form. He is seriously uh, now that Michael Morgan's injured as well. That utility spot for the Queensland Maroons at the end of the year, he is seriously looking like a threat of pulling that off. And yeah. uh, and I wouldn't hate to see it. He's been fantastic. Uh, Miles' MVP was actually Josh Adokar. And knowing how Miles feels about wingers, that's quite something. <laughs> uh, he racked up the most meters and line breaks for the game and scored a try to boot. Would anyone argue he's not the best wing in the game right now, says Miles? Well, that might be a bit of a clue as to who Miles has at the top of his top five. Um, but we'll see if we have an argument about who the best winger is in the game. The Unsung Hero Award for me, Kieran, is Nat Butcher, also from the Roosters. Ooh. I had him pegged as a Dallas Johnson type, you know, hard hitter, good worker. Yeah. 
I didn't know he had the athleticism and ball skills he displayed against the Broncos, and he seemed like a really talented dude. So Nat Butcher is my unsung hero. Who's yours? I had Tom Starling, who has formed a wonderful tandem hooker rotation with uh, Saliva Havili this season to take the Raiders within a win of the top four. And after a lackluster midseason slump and injury to talisman Josh Hodgson, his work uh, week in, week out has been excellent. And uh, this continued in the Raiders' fight back against the Dogs, where Starling bagged two tries. And a good pick. Miles has gone for two other Raiders. Uh, he's gone for Josh Papali'i and Jack Whiten, who he had as his MVP and unsung hero last week. But this week, they are both his unsung heroes. Uh, Whiten scored two tries, and Papali'i led the field in run meters in a game the Raiders probably would not have won without either man because the Bulldogs were absolutely rogering them for the first half. Uh, now, it's time for the yeah. wildcard award, uh, which is my personal favorite, where we get to choose... Whatever award we want, as ridiculous as you feel, my wildcard award this week is the Broken Record Award for hearing the same song over and over and over again. And that goes to the Penrith Panthers. The amount of times we've heard that victory song from that club has become, frankly, (laughs) ridiculous. Kieran, what is your wildcard award for this round? Um, they're just uh, on the Panthers, I, I believe they're going for uh, 12 wins in a row this weekend, which will be the match the Sharks of 2016. Um, Ooh, so, and the Sharks, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I had the, the Neymar Award for the ability to recover from an injury almost instantaneous, instantaneously, which goes to AJ Brimson. However, <laughs> unlike Neymar and his rolling antics on the floor after an innocuous challenge, I have been massively impressed uh, with Brimson's ability to produce career-best form off the back of a back injury, which could have threatened to derail his career, not just his 2020 season. So AJ gets two. He's he's, he's in there for uh, two yeah. awards. That's uh, that's something. He, and I tell you what, he bloody deserves it. The wildcard award for Miles this week. I, I'm not a North American football fan, so I don't really get it. But he's got <laughs> he's got the Ryan Leaf award for biggest letdown ever. I did a little bit of research, and Ryan Leaf was a a former NFL player uh, for a bunch of teams in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, he gives that award to Sonny Bill Williams, who is somewhat of a mythical athlete, in Miles's opinion, who any sport would tell you is rightfully theirs, but a whole lot of carry-on is being made of his return. I want to see this guy on the field <laughs> before I cast any proper aspersions. So uh, it seems like Mr. Miles Stedman has some uh, cynicism about Sonny Bill Williams and how much of an impact he can have at the ripe old age of, I think he's 35. So, um, yeah, and, and he also has a bold take in mind that involves Sonny Bill Williams for this week. So it seems like Miles has his laser focus directly <laughs> towards the Roosters. But let's turn our laser focus towards the flankers. Kieran, the, the top five wingers in the NRL today, uh, much like we did when we discussed the fullbacks a couple of episodes ago, um, I vote we go five, and then you say you're fifth, and then I'll tell you Miles's, and then four, 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 three, 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 two, 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 and then one. Um, 
And I've got a feeling we're going to have uh, some differences this time, whereas fullbacks was quite simple. Tedesco is obviously the best fullback in the world, but wingers, I think it's a bit more debatable. So uh, I'm very curious. I'll start with my number five. My number five is Alex Johnston. I, I, I like his mixture of pace, of size, of defensive ability, and his versatility to be able to slot into fullback and I assume uh, also center quite easily uh, makes him quite the handful and he's an excellent try poacher so uh alex johnston is the fifth best winger in the nrl in my opinion kieran who is your number five uh i have alex johnston as well for basically all the same reasons um he's he's really developed his game this season i've, I've thought especially and uh he i know he's on the wing but he does come across as one of those players that seems to be in the right place at the right time to always bag a, a couple of tries almost uh quite often Good call. I totally agree with you. And Miles has gone with Nick Kotrick at number five. Uh, Nick Kotrick, of course, has played for New South Wales. Bit of a tackle break machine, Nick Kotrick. And I think tackle break machines is a bit of a theme for Miles's top five, just having a cursory look at it. Uh, Nick Kotrick, good call. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet, so he may well end up towards the top of Miles's list by the end of his career. Let's go to number fours. My number four is a current, uh, currently unavailable player uh, from the Warriors, David Fusitua, uh, who I absolutely love watching play. He's got an error in him, we know that, but in terms of finishing ability, he is right up there with the absolute best I've ever seen. Uh, so David Fusitua is the fourth best NRL winger, in my opinion. Kieran, who is your number four? Uh, I've gone with Nick Kotrick, um, Miles number five, I, uh, for the same reasons as well, really. Uh, his tackle breaks every single week. Um, and also that, that try uh, finishing ability that you spoke about of Fusatua, I believe he's he's got that as well. And he's got that huge physical frame as well. He can uh, he uses that to, to make so many of those tackle breaks uh, to really bump off players. His defense isn't the greatest, which um, probably... Well, I think he's four anyway, even if his defense was a bit better, but that could hurt him later on in his career for me pushing up this list. Well, he may well not push up this particular list because his future may actually lay in, or lie, I should say, in at fullback or in the centers, uh, particularly with the money the Bulldogs have thrown at him. So very curious to see how his <laughs> career goes. I'm a big fan of Nick Kotrick. Number four for Miles was David Norfoluma, uh, who he has previously raved about and said that yeah. if he was picking the New South Wales team now, he would pick David Norfoluma on the wing, which is interesting because he has two New South Wales wingers above him here. So that's a bit of a clue for you. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I do know that Miles is a big fan of David Norfoluma. He's, he's taken the error out of his game a fair bit and he, much like Kotrick, uh, a great tackle breaker and an excellent finisher. So uh, David Norfoluma is number four in Miles' list. Okay, so let's go to number three. So far, I've got Johnston at five, Fusatua at four, and I've gone with Daniel Tupo at number three. The kind of guy that kind of shot onto the scene when the Roosters had like a really, really good season about several several years ago and, uh, you know, played all the rep footy and all that sort of stuff. But I always kind of thought it was a bit odd because he, he didn't seem like the most athletic dude. Um, like he's the kind of guy that I feel like I could beat in a race and I'm not the slowest dude going around, but that's uh, probably not true, <laughs> but it just, he just looks kind of awkward, like a big, 
baby giraffe or something. Um, but he's really coming to his own. Again, he's, he's, he's eliminated that error from his game. He makes his meters for the Roosters. He's a great finisher. He's, a, he's an excellent aerial target, which is something that the Roosters definitely exploit. Um, and, of course, safe under the high ball in defense as well. So, so Daniel Tupu is my number three. Kieran, who is your number three? Um, this might sound a bit odd, but I, I actually toss between the two Roosters wingers, which kind of makes you think if I'm tossing between them at number three, why don't I have both in the list somewhere? But I've gone <laughs> with... Uh, anyway, I've, I've gone with Brett Morris at, at number three, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's... Yeah, he's 34, um, and he's he's still... He's scored 12 tries, five try assists. Um, I, there was a game... I actually went to it at Suncorp Stadium, um, the Roosters versus Storm, and, and whilst the Roosters lost that game, honest to God, I, I thought a large part of the reason... Um, that the the Roosters were in that game was down to Brett Morris and Josh Morris's carries out of their own half. Um, they they do all the tough stuff, and then uh, when it comes down to the other ends, it seems like they're they're getting even better uh, in attack as their years go on as well. Yep, absolutely good call. Number three for Miles was Alex Johnston. We've already spoken about Alex Johnston. I've known that. Johnson has been uh, on Miles' radar for a very long time, so he has him at number three. Number two. Now, so I've gone with Johnston, Fusatua, Tupo. Now, Miles, I will argue about Adokar being the best winger in the game because <laughs> I've got him at number two, and that's no slight against Josh Adokar. I think he's a fantastic winger. Um, uh, in terms of pace, um, if he's not the quickest person in the game, he's top three. Um, he'd be right up there with James Robertson and Hamaso Tabuafido. Uh, he, he is, he's electric. Josh Adokar, really good finisher. Um, does have uh, the errors being cut out of his game. Uh, is a representative player, has done the job at that level. Uh, he's absolutely a fantastic winger. So number two for me. Kieran, who is your number two? I've got David Nofaluma. Um, he's had a, a brilliant season this year, and, and for a, a while longer, too, his form has been great. Um, and as Denon Kemp alluded to on his podcast, if Nofaluma played for the Roosters or Storm, people would likely be saying this guy is easily the best winger in the comp. Um, he doesn't hang on the wing either, waiting for the ball, finds the ball with tough carries out of his own end, and averages 188 metres a game goodness i had no idea it was that many um yeah he's he's a he's a very fine winger a bit of a surprising one actually from miles for number two uh ken marmolo uh from the warriors who's currently not playing for them uh i imagine miles likes him for his uh for his tackle breaks for his hard yards for his size he's just this huge human good aerial target uh very hard to stop close to the line and surprisingly athletic for a dude that's well over 100 kilos so uh, absolutely a good choice, Ken Mamolo. Um, let's go to number ones uh, because we've. Well, I assume that we're leaving out a bunch of very, very good wingers like Mike Acevo, like Kyle Felt, like Josh Mansour, like Jordan Rapiner, um, and yeah. uh, Brian probably Toto. a bunch of others. Yeah. Dane Gagai, like is he the like you know he I don't know who your number one is, uh, I, but <laughs> going with Brett Morris as my number one, and the reason why I've gone with him over Josh Adokar is just the continued excellence. I, I was, I think it was a like you know when NRL.com did a, a, a ranking of the best wingers in the last 
30 years. I thought it was actually a bit of a disservice to Brett Morris that he wasn't in that top two. It went to Wendell Saylor and to Hazem El-Masri. Wendell, I can't really argue with. I think Hazem and his goal-kicking has uh, expanded yeah. his reputation a little bit. Brett Morris is the better winger. He's the better finisher. He's the bigger body. He's faster. Uh, and more versatile, uh, as we've seen, he's also an excellent fullback. Uh, and if I was picking a team, and I had five hundred thousand dollars a year to play with, and I had the choice of any winger in the comp, I'm choosing Brett Morris. Who's your number one? Uh, I have Josh Adokar. Although everything you just said was was very interesting, kind of makes me reconsider my option a little. But I, I do have Josh Adokar. And when was the last time the Storm had a bad winger? Um, to be honest, um, the man is in career best form and likely racking up the Delian points of late in a star star studded squad. Um, and I know there's been rumours that he's been searching for a, a fullback contract for next year, but his his form this year, um, he's lifted. Like, from one season to the next, I've not seen someone uh, improve this much for a long, long time. I, I can't recall the last time. Um, so that's why he's my number one. And Miles predictably has, has joined you on that one. And uh, and I imagine it's it's for all the reasons that we spoke about. And for the reason that he gave him the MVP this week, which was the most meters, line breaks for the game, uh, scores a try. Like, he's, he's absolutely a fantastic winger. Thank you, Kieran, and thank you, of course, to Miles as well. I know you'll be listening on your Nokia phone, I assume. <laughs> I don't know, um, with your no internet. Um, oh, it's interesting. I, I thought you guys would both go with Josh Adokar, but I just couldn't go past Brett Morris. Let's go into the tips for round 17, uh, which should be a very interesting round. There's been a lot of talk amongst our, our old Real Sport group chat Kieran, that the Panthers fans are a little bit worried about this game against the Broncos at Suncorp Stadium on Thursday night. What can you tell me about it? Uh, to start off with, I, I don't believe the Panthers fans in our group chat have too too much to be worried about. Um, the Broncos do welcome back Payne Haas, Isaac Luke, and Corey Oates, uh, with, with Farnworth moving to centre to uh, let Oates come in on the wing and Jordan Kahu out. Corey Pakes goes to the bench and bench and Croft is out of the team altogether and possibly an ominous sign for his future. Meanwhile, the table-topping Panthers could wel- welcome back Coruscant with Kikau back along with Kurt Capewell as Isaiah Yo is out to, due to a nasty head knock. The Panthers are looking to become the first team to win 12 straight games since the Sharks did in 2016, as mentioned before, who then went on to win the memory- Premiership, Touchwood. Um, I can see the Broncos winning a game before the season ends. However, this is not one of them. Panthers to further compile the Broncos' misery. I've got Miles's tips in front of me here. Um, I agree with him, and he agrees with you, uh, Panthers, from, <laughs> from both of us. Um, the next one was one that Miles was going to do, so I'm going to do it instead. It's between the Knights and the Sharks on Friday evening. Uh, two changes for the Knights with... Uh, Phoenix Crossland replacing Chris Randall on the bench and Brody Jones in for the suspended Pasami Salo. Um, and the Knights have won their last three games at home. The Sharks welcome back Chad Townsend from a, ch- a calf injury, um, but he is a bit uh, unsure whether he'll play or not. So Connor Tracy is on the bench and, of course, would come into the starting side uh, if Chad Townsend is unfit. Um uh, 
Andrew Fafita is fit to play, um, but John Morris has dropped him to the reserves, but we'll see how that plays out. It seems like Jesse Ramian and Josh Dugan have been named to play despite their injuries last week, and they've got Bryson Goodwin in the reserves as cover for that. Uh, it'll be an interesting one. I- I'm not really sure how to go with this. Uh, the Sharks still haven't beaten a team inside the top eight, so if you believe in omens... Um, like you did with the Panthers prediction. <laughs> um, I would suggest the Knights will win this one. And Miles agrees with that. So Kieran, is that three votes for the Knights this week? Yeah. Yeah. That's three, three on the trot there. Fantastic. I've got the later Friday night game between the Rabbitohs and the Storm. Latrell Mitchell is gone for the season uh, with Alex Johnston, uh, much favoured winger in our chat, uh, returning to fullback <laughs> and Dane Gagai returning from injury to add to their back line. The Rabbitohs have found some form, but the loss of Mitchell in their spine is not to be underestimated, even though Johnston is a more than handy replacement. For the Storm, Brinko Lee comes into the centres for the injured Marion Seve, who will be out for the rest of the season. Chris Lewis starts in the back row with Tino Fa'asua Maliawi starting at lock. <laughs> I'm starting to get a bit better at that too. Uh, Nelson yeah. Sofa Solomona is out. I expect this to be a heck of a game, to be honest, but the Storm just have a few too many clutch players who I expect will get the job done and, and help them to win by less than 10. Miles has tipped the Storm as well. Kieran, who are you going to go for? Uh, I'll go for the Storm for the, the same reason that you mentioned there at the end. Uh, the Storm have a few too many clutch players. Excellent. And you have... The next game, which is between the Bulldogs and the Titans. Um, so the the allegedly homesick Luke Thompson comes back in with Jake Avarillo as well after being rested in place of Katoa and Dean Britt. And for the Titans, Moeki Fotoeka returns in Jai Whipred's place with Jai Arrow a chance of returning from a shoulder injury with the Don a chance to play as well. The Bulldogs will be filthy on themselves after losing four games a season late in which they led... They led um, since the halfway mark of the competition. Meanwhile, the Titans can finish the season hot going into next year with some impressive form of late. Both teams are hard-working with impressive attitudes in both attack and defense. However, the Titans have the Bulldogs' number for talent, and it will show on Saturday the Titans to win two on the trot. Yeah, the the, the Bulldogs, unfortunately, just have a few too many uh, reserve-grade players. And how could we leave Anthony Don out of the top five wingers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an oversight. My goodness, the the people at uh, Queenslander on NRL Online would have a fit that we left Anthony Don out. Um, no, I agree with you. The Titans should win, and Miles also tipped the Titans for that one. The next game on Saturday afternoon is the Seagulls versus the Tigers. Uh, Ruben Garrick and, as we mentioned, Joel Thompson are out. Um, Abbas Miski has been called up on the wing for the Seagulls. Jack Gajewski has it will be starting in the back row. He's been starting in the centres a lot recently, so he'll be happy to move into his preferred position. Uh, Corey Waddell is on the bench. Uh, they've got a, a, a rookie in their reserves, uh, John Schuster. Very exciting rookie, apparently. He's a five-eight or ball-playing lock. He's in the reserves, uh, so he's he's very close to getting his debut, but may not be this week for the Tigers. Um, they had some backline issues last week against the Panthers, so Maguire has moved Adam Dewey from fullback to centre with Moses Mbai shifting to fullback. Uh, and Tommy Talau has been dropped entirely um, in favour of AJ Kapoa. 
Josh Alouai returns at prop. Matt Eisenhuth goes to the bench. And Sean Bloor drops out. Uh, so the Tigers are averaging about uh, 32 points conceded in their last six games. Um, so that's not boding well for them. Um, I am pretty unsure about this one because they've both been pretty uninspiring in recent weeks. I'm going to go for the Sea Eagles, which Miles has also gone for. Who have you gone for? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll go the Sea Eagles just to edge it. We have not disagreed on anything so far, the three of us. So let's see if we can disagree. Uh, I think we will on this one. So this one is the Raiders and the Roosters on Saturday night. For the Raiders, Curtis Scott may or may not be fit to play. He has been named, but Matt Tomoko is on standby. Josh Papali'i and Saliva Havili return to the run-on side with Corey Hararira Naira back on the bench for this game. For the Roosters, oof. The return of Sonny Bill, but more to the point, the return of Luke Keary, uh, who will be uh, far more influential on this game, I believe. They also have Angus Crichton and Mitch Orbison possibilities to return. They have been named on the reserves, uh, which means that the Roosters are getting back to almost full strength. And after the clinic from James Tedesco against the Broncos, it's hard to tip against them but I'm going to. I'm going to go for the Raiders <laughs> <laughs> because I am a bit insane. Uh, it'll be the first time the Raiders beat the Roosters twice in a season since 1990, I read, which would be very interesting. Miles predictably has gone for the Roosters because that's probably the better bet. Kieran, uh, are you going to go for the Raiders or the Roosters on this one? Um, like you said, the, the Roosters are nearly back at full strength, but I do kind of side with the Raiders uh, purely based on the fact that Trent Robinson, um, he'll he'll want to shore up that top four spot, but I think they've got it. I think the Eels are going to drop out. Um, he doesn't seem to mind losing in the regular season. He just knows that it, it, when it comes down to the nitty gritty at the end of the season, that's when it really counts. Actually, no, I, I think the Roosters want to finish top two, and maybe that's still a realistic chance. I'll, I'll tip the Roosters. So basically, we just had one and a half tips each for the Raiders and the Roosters. Because <laughs> so, you are absolutely sitting on the fence on that one. But you've gone with the Roosters eventually. Very interesting. Uh, please don't sit on the fence for the next game, which is on Sunday between the Warriors and the Eels. Uh, so two players loaned to the Warriors from the Eels in George Jennings and Daniel Alvaro cannot play against their parent club uh, this weekend. And... Elise, Elisa, Elisa Katoa is out with a hand injury as well. Uh, Jared Beal comes in on the wing with Jack Murchie, Jack Murchie starting at back row and Curran and Papalei join the bench. Dylan Brown, who is today confirmed out until a potential pre- preliminary final at the earliest, is replaced by Jai Field with Niakore returning from suspension for Andrew Davey. A massive stat and worry for the Eels is their misfiring attack has only managed 40 points in their last four games. Um, on paper, the Eels should really win this one with relative ease. However, the, the Warriors have been putting away teams down on their luck and hanging with teams at the top. However, I do have the Eels bouncing back with their forward pack to get them rolling early on in the game and laying the platform for a much-needed win. Yeah, I think you've nailed it right there with the forward pack for the Eels. Uh, where their attack is faltering... Uh, it's important that they win that battle. And because of uh, just availability for the Warriors, their forward pack 
should not be able to go with the Eels on paper. So uh, it's got to be the Eels for me. And I think Jai Field's a, a, a good in for them. Dylan Brown's a very, very talented footballer, but Jai Field might just add a little bit of an extra spark with his pace, uh, which could unlock something for the Eels. So I'm going to go for them, and Miles did as well, which leaves me with the last game between the Cowboys and the Dragons. And actually, Kieran, the first time that I've ever had a Cowboys game on this podcast. So oh, wow. uh, I'll try I'll try not to be too biased. <laughs> um, I'm happy to see Jake Clifford recalled at halfback. They really didn't have much of a choice, to be honest, with Michael Morgan out injured with a calf injury. Uh, good to see Hamiso Tabuai Fido back from a hamstring strain on the wing, which moves Valentine Holmes to fullback and Scott Drinkwater into 5'8". Uh, which means that Dejan Assey is a bit unlucky. He moves to the bench, and Jake Granville is back to the reserves. Isan Masters has been recalled at centre in place of Connolly Lemuelu, which, uh, while Masters hasn't been setting the world on fire, actually, that's a really good decision. Uh, Lemuelu hasn't looked up to it at this stage. I think he needs another preseason. Gavin Cooper returns in the back row with Cohen Hess out suspended. Uh, could be a nice little farewell for Gavin. Prop Peter Holler has been included on the reserves and the Cowboys have lost their past four games at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. Thank you for that stat, NRL.com. They've lost their last 1,000 games. The the Dragons uh, welcome back Tyrell Fuimiano from suspension in place of Trent Merrin on the bench. uh, Interchange hooker Billy Britton must pass HIA protocols to play. Um, If he doesn't, Tristan Saylor or Prop Eddie Blacker may well get a run. And uh, a little side note, Ben Hunt looks set to make his 250th NRL appearance. That's more than I thought that he had managed in his career, but it seems like he has been around forever. I still remember him as a halfback for the Broncos in 2008 in the uh, Toyota Cup, as it was back then. Um, look, I don't know. I'm just going to tip with my heart here, mate. I'm going to go for the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, Miles has gone for the Dragons. Are you going heart or head here? Uh, I, every week I, I look at the Cowboys team list and I think, oh, this will be, this is so exciting. Like we've got all these great players. They've got speed. They've got ta- t- the talent to win. Um, and then about ten, it's it's exciting until about ten minutes into the game and you know we've already lost. Um, honestly, um, I, I, again, I think we can win, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my head and say the Dragons. Well, I'm, I'm sad to hear that uh, as a Cowboys fan, but also for my bold prediction, because I know that you're a much better tipper than me. My bold <laughs> prediction this week, Kieran, is that two Queensland teams will win. And oh. it does not include the Storm. Uh, that, <laughs> that is... So the either the Broncos beating the Panthers, the Titans <laughs> beating the Bulldogs, and the Cowboys beating the Dragons. Two of those to win. I'll tell you what, if the Broncos do beat the Panthers... That'll really set me up for this. So, so I uh, that's my tip. Two Queensland teams to win. Miles, his bold prediction was that Sonny Bill Williams will will run for fifty meters or fewer in his return to the NRL. Um, which I almost said my bold prediction was going to be Sonny Bill Williams will play less than fifteen minutes. So I, I think I think Miles is anticipating not much game time there and not much impact. Kieran, what is your bold prediction? Uh, if if you heard this one um, at the beginning of the season, if you if I told you I was saying this during round seventeen, um, you would have scoffed at me. But I've got Blake's Ferguson to score his first try of the season. Yeah, that's now that's somebody that 
would normally be a walk-up start for the top five wingers, wouldn't he, Blake Ferguson? But yeah. we, we all ignored him based mostly on his ambivalent form. Uh, and Mike Acevo has outplayed him most of the year. So, um, so he's going to score his first try of the year. Uh, that's probably not a bad <laughs> shout with the Warriors being so transient in their back line. So it'll be interesting. Uh, thank you, Kieran, for tonight. Um, and thank you to Miles for sending through all that information. It made the show run a little bit smoother. Thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, we really enjoy your company, particularly friend of the show, Owen. Uh, big shout out to you, <laughs> Owen. Uh, and as always, and we don't have anyone to say anything different this week, go to the Cowboys. <laughs> go to the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.